podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. Bajero! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Well, 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 it's been quite a journey, but here we are with what I can now definitively state is your final Champions League preview podcast of the season here on the Anfield Index uh, podcast channel because this is the final. And who'd have thought it? I mean, I'm not going to go into a uh, full Monty Python for Yorkshireman sketch here because instead of who'd have thought 30 years ago we'd all be sitting here drinking Chateau de Chasselis, it's who'd have thought nine months ago that we'd be sat here looking forward to Liverpool in the Champions League final against none other than the holders, Real Madrid. Uh, pinch yourself, guys. It's real. It's happening. And um, wow, it's just fantastic. There's so much going on. So let's get to talking about the game itself. Um, because my first show as host back, you know, nine months ago was for the opening group game against Spanish opposition. So it is only fitting that we have our La Liga expert back for the final. So welcome to the show, football writer, Andrew Gaffney. Yeah, hi guys, how are you doing? Oh, pretty damn fantastic, I've got to say. <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine. Yeah. It's not bad, is it, preparing for the Champions League it's, final? It's not bad, It's I'm nervous as hell, because it's, I said to Gags just before we got started here, um, I think it's it's just beginning to really hit home now, like, Wow, it's happening. It's real. You know, we're just days away from this monumental game and it's uh, my nerves are just beginning to settle in, to settle in. Yeah, well, I think even for as, as a neutral, it feels special. The Champions League is always at that sort of aura, which is different to dominating a domestic league or winning a domestic cup. It, I feel it's sort of something you can put on a pedestal, which means a little bit more than than anything else for the season. And it can save a season. And it can break a season. And I think for, for Real Madrid, it's it's really important. And obviously for Liverpool as well, with their yeah. fine season, even though it's tailed off a little bit domestically, you can make an excuse for that because obviously there's a quite a big distraction in the back, which is this final. Yeah, it, it certainly is um, quite a large distraction. So let's get to my second guest, who is none other than the podfather himself, the head honcho of Anfield Index, and a man who will be there in the flesh in Kiev. Of course, it's Gags Tandon. Welcome along, Gags. Hey, Andy, how you doing? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm nervous as well. I'm nervous about this game as well, but it's uh, it's a good nervous though, isn't it? I, I actually can't wait to get to Kiev now. The days have been, since the Brighton game, it's been very, very slow, taking its time. You know, I actually just, just want to get out the house and get on the road and, and get on the way to Kiev and... Uh, experience those three days whilst I'm there, you know, full three days before or two and a half days before the game that I'm there will will I'm sure be a lot a lot of fun. 
you know, and that's that's the bit I'm really looking forward to before the game. The game's going to be bag of, I'm going to be a bag of nerves, but the the atmosphere and just meeting Reds out there is going to be it's going to be amazing. Yeah, like a kid waiting for Christmas, the that's clock it. just seems to go in slow motion, doesn't it? You're right. That's that's the best uh, analogy, I think. <laughs> now, Gags, you are a man of statistics, so I wanted to hit you with a few stats of my own. Go on, then. So, Liverpool versus Real Madrid over the over the years, mm. they've played five times. Liverpool have won three. Real Madrid have won two. There's been no draws. Wow. Um, but here's the the deciding one. One of those victories, only one of them was actually uh, the one time they faced each other in the final. Liverpool came out on top, of course, back in 1981. Yeah. So do, do you think the stats, is, is there anything in the stats in the history between I, the clubs? I, I, I love I love the omens, man. The the 81, I love the omens that there's all these things at royal weddings. And I think it's the Malaysian prime minister was the same guy. Was, was, was Prime Minister back in 81, like he actually was elected. So he's elected just last two, two weeks ago. Um, that was nice to do that for us. Yeah, it was lovely. And so they won it. Liverpool won it back then. So if hopefully we can complete that. Uh, Liverpool have only won the Champions League against teams that are wearing full white kit. Uh, thank you, Real Madrid, for beating Bayern because hopefully that's another omen that goes away. So not stats, but yeah, omens more like, more, more than that. I think the stats, kind of are, are meaningless and meaningless even though those ones that you said it's not really heavy to one side either which is pretty good which makes you a bit bit happier you know but obviously uh, you're facing the two time uh, sorry the the winners back to back winners on this one who are going for a three so there's plenty of motivation for them on this one as well so yeah it's it's just a magical game Andy and I think it's a it's a superpower, you know, and, and that's that's what we want. We want to play the best teams. We've been great in Europe against the best teams. Yeah, exactly. This is where we want to be, and this is a chance to show we deserve to be there. So, yeah, it's oh, it's it, it. Just talking about it is it's incredible in itself. So, Andrew, we'll come to you first. Then Real Madrid. Uh, let's let's hear about their semi-final progression. Um, as Gags mentioned there, you know, they, they overcame Bayern in the semi-finals. Um, how do you feel that they looked at this stage of the competition? Because they weren't fantastic. They weren't all conquering through the group stages. Do you feel that they've just got better as the season's gone on and it's it's just their competition and it seems to suit them? Uh, I would definitely agree with the last part that it's, it's the, it feels like it's their competition and there's some sort of thing that an outer being which is protecting them in all these games because they've generally been so hit and miss but but in every competition especially domestically where they finished third which for a club as big as Real Madrid is is somewhat of a disaster I think even in the, the semi-finals and if you go back throughout the competition they've never once I think looked incredibly sort of will beat as you thought wow this is the Real Madrid from the previous couple of years which we all expected to have an era of dominance and to their credit, they have done that in Europe. But this was the first year they felt a little bit flat. I don't think I can remember any game where they've had a, a complete performance which made everyone stand up and think, wow, I don't want to face them, apart from their record. And in the in the semi-final as well, they were probably outplayed for the majority of both matches. Um, I think Tony Cruz said that like, the Champions League releases special powers in Real Madrid. And I think that's true. That They have this way to absorb so much pressure and so much, in a way, damage 
But then when their opponents make one error or one slip up, they're so ruthless. And, and, and that's what at this level separates them from an ordinary or a, a good team to a great team. That they, they don't need to dominate games anymore. They've got players and, and special individuals which have carried them a lot this year. As we, we all know most of them. I'm sure we'll get onto them later. But they weren't great in either leg. I think in Germany as well, they got battered from pillar to post for the majority of it. They got the two goals, but that was probably about it. And one of them came from a huge error. We all know in, in the Bernabeu as well, there was somewhat fortunate with, um, is it Sven Ulreich? I think is how you pronounce it. His, yeah, Sven Ulreich. Yeah, his colossal error, which basically killed the tie off for Bayern. But even after that moment, they still absorb pressure, and I think that that's what's maybe the scary part of Real Madrid is they've ne- they've not reached their peak throughout the entire season, and it's unlikely they're going to reach that even against Liverpool. But the fact is, if you don't kill them off, they have this knack of pulling it out of the bag, at the, whether it's the last minute or the first minute, and then holding on. And and that's what's got them to this stage. It's not necessarily been a, a team performance or a team sort of a collective unit which has progressed per stage to to grow into what we all expect they've just got by with this individual quality and and that's where Liverpool need to make sure that they don't slip up and they don't make errors because they will get punished yeah I, I think it's a, without doubt uh, that there's plenty of um, top class individuals there and and it's I said Liverpool are going to be absolute going to absolutely have to be on it on the gags and you look look back to Liverpool's progression through the semi-final against Roma. I mean, the first leg for mm. for something like what was it, seventy, eighty minutes? It was just mind blowing. Mm. Some 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 extraordinary attacking football for for probably about a sixty-minute spell there. And then obviously there's the other side of Liverpool that we also saw throughout that tie. But the, this in what we saw, I think. In the away leg, we also saw some of the steel that seems to be slowly coming into this Liverpool team yeah. as well. I thought the steel was shown in the Man City game more. The, that was the example of steel, the second half. We kept it at 3-0. We didn't let them in the game. That's the best attacking team in Europe. Uh, scoring goals, they, they are, you know, they performed unbelievably well, that Pep team. Uh, you know, with one of the best wingers playing against young Trent. And, uh, it, you know, whilst it was, it was worrying at times, we kept them out. And, and then again, at, at, um, at City, apart from the gift of a goal that we gave them in the first few minutes, because it was just a stupid, I mean, whoever you want to blame that to, the goalkeeper to, to Van Dyke, I personally, I thought it was Van Dyke. After that, yeah, it was backs against the walls, but we proved that we could keep them out. And, um, that was, that was the key. So, if we can keep, if we can do that after, but what's vital is Liverpool go get that, um, have that 10, 15 minute, but, but we'll talk about Liverpool in a minute. In terms of Real Madrid, I think, um, I've only seen them in the quarters and the semis this season. I've not had any, any time at all to go and watch the La Liga this season, but they, they, they do have, um, quality everywhere. That's, that's obvious, but they do, they do have problems at the back as well. So they, they, they go away. To Juventus and they, you know, they 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 win three nil. Uh, I think Juve could have done better. Uh, you know, did have did perform actually decently. I think they were just caught at times. That's something we can't afford to do. But then in the 
in the home leg. They were totally outplayed and uh, and the decision obviously went their way. I mean, it was the right decision, I think, in the end. Uh, the penalty and stuff, in my in my opinion. I know a lot of people were arguing me on that. but um, and, and that's what got them through. But they showed that they're, they're, they're not invincible anymore. You know, this team can be taken to the cleaners. And if it's a repeat performance of that day at home, and this is now a final, and they were 3-0 up in that one, but, you know, th- that can happen again. I, I'm, I'm sure of it. And then Bayern as well. I mean, my goodness. If they play anything like they did against Bayern, against our front three, who are, who are probably the best, with, has, has the best conversion in the Champions League in, ter- in front of goal, which we'll talk about on, under pressure on AI Pro folks later this week. But that, that, they, they just, they just won't be able to afford to defend like that against them. They won't. Um, so if they give us that 10, 15 minute period, the game, it's, it's going to be a big chase. And then us on the break is, is frightening. So that's what I hope for, you know, that they are, they come and they play the way they have been playing and they are open at the back. That will, that will, that will suit us down to a T. But at the end of the day, they have some unbelievable players in midfield and attack that, uh, wow, we have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, just on that semi-final then, I mean, it, it shouldn't be sort of glossed over too much, but going away to Roma and scoring, no other champions, no other team in the Champions League this season have previously scored yeah. at Roma. So, you know, I, you know it's, it's no mean feat the way that we rip them apart at times. Yeah, the, the first half was unreal. We should have scored so many. Even in the second half, even though we lost 4-2, and it was, I think at 2-1 the game was over for us anyway. We knew they weren't going to get to 5. And anyone saying, oh, it was 4-2, it's close. That that last penalty was not even a penalty. And it was in the last, what, third minute of overtime. They were never getting anywhere near it. The game was done and dusted at 2-1. There were, there was, I mean, I wasn't even worried, Andy. I said it at the time on pods when it was 2-1. Uh, my feet were up. I was totally relaxed in that second half, even with the goals going in. It, mat- it mattered nothing to me because what we did in the first half. But uh, yeah, we, we had so many chances on the break as well, second half, that we just didn't convert into shots. Bad passes, bad choices, you know, those type of things. So, And also, we have to say, Roma were the perfect opponent. Like, if there's an opponent we'd want to match us up, it would be them slower than us in every department. You know, their players had said at the end of the first leg that bloody hell, we didn't realise how fast Liverpool actually were. You know, that the, they have legs on them and stuff. So that's the that's the key for us is the pace, the the youth, the the way they you know, the hunger, the press, the press is gonna be the the key. And I think um, Roma couldn't deal with it. Roma just couldn't deal with it. Any kind of error in that midfield or defence on the ball is going to be vital for us because we are pounce. And if Madrid have are not used to playing a pressing side, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, let's hope it's uh-oh indeed. Uh, and to, to, come, uh, to come back to yourself then, and what was the reaction in Spain to, to uh, Real Madrid taking on, find out that it's, it's going to be Liverpool that they're taking on and, uh, you know, the task that they'll have at hand, Liverpool's style and, and, you know, a very aggressive, high pressing. What, what's what's the reaction over there? I suppose, as you would imagine, there's a lot of respect for Liverpool. I think um, teams which have a lot of history in, in European competitions tend to respect other teams that have had similar sort of um, past glory. So, yeah, initially, I don't think anyone was surprised 
when it was the semi-final draw that it was be Liverpool instead of Rome, even though obviously they did knock out Barcelona. I think that was more Barcelona's deficiencies more than uh, Roma's abilities or the, an announcement on the the world stage. I think it's come a little bit too early in that project, and they probably overachieved. But then again, there's no reason to criticise the team for doing that. Um, obviously, your you attacking trio are are well known on these shores as much as they are in England. There's a lot of respect for, for the firepower that you've got and, and, and the football as well. I think that's not something that gets ignored, the, the quality of football and, and the style of this sort of fluid attacking way, which is, is very much ingrained in, in the Spanish way that you have to play the correct way and beautifully, not just grind out results. So there's definitely respect on, on various fronts, but... They're also quite confident amongst themselves. Real Madrid have no reason to fear anybody in Europe. And, and while they've not been the best, they'll point to the fact that they've been good enough. They've got the top scorer in the competition. They've got quality throughout the, the side. And, and, and to touch a little bit on sort of Liverpool, yeah, you scored seven goals against Roma over two legs. But the fact that you conceded six, even though maybe the tie was was sort of over, like Gag said, at 2-1, there's still you cannot afford to switch off even for sort of five, ten minutes against Real Madrid because they can, if, if Bale's not performing, if he starts and Asensio comes on or Isco comes on, they can literally throw on four or five players that can turn the game around or shore up a midfield. If they, if they need to sort of dig in and back to the wall and keep a team out, they can do that. But again, I think the, the I big challenge... It, for I, them thought it, I thought it flattered him anyway, Andrew, to be honest. The, the six, the two penalties were not even penalties, to be honest. They were they were no, non penalties. It was, it, I, I I disagree with that point a little bit because I just I just find people using that six goals to beat them with. They were well beaten, well well beaten, and those penalties were were an absolute farce. As well as every <laughs> other decision that's gone against us at Anfield on penalties, those were farces and as much as all those decisions at Anfield really. Where where do you a penalty? <laughs> And I hope it's against Madrid. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to say it because Liverpool fans will be sitting there listening and saying, but, but, but we were, I know it was really tight towards the end, but they, those two, Andy, back me up here. Those two penalties, the one, the one with <laughs> the, Milner and then the one with Clavin. Come on. Jokes. Yeah, they, I mean, without a doubt yet, yeah, they, they were non penalties, but them, them aside, those goals aside, there's still other goals conceded there. And I think, and I think that's a you know a point that that you have there, Andrew, isn't it? That you know that where Liverpool may have switched off and they may potentially get away with some situations against other teams, a team like Real Madrid, any moment that you switch off, even just for a second, that you can be punished. Well, I think football can, can be cruel for for either side in a game. You can, I mean, it's obviously easier when you're looking at it from from your own team's perspective that you focus on the decisions you didn't get or you feel that were unfair. But the reality is whether they were fortunate or not, it's still a lot of goals to concede. And and they almost made something which was um something which was a position that was so strong, so on top of everything, to almost let it slip. Can you imagine if Roma had nicked another goal? It would have been a disaster considering how dominant they were in both legs. But I think that that's the joy of football. I think you you can't switch off, and I wouldn't expect Liverpool to perform the same way against Real Madrid at all. There's definitely a degree of playing the occasion and playing the opponent. They obviously felt comfortable to let Roma have more chances. I don't think they planned to obviously give away two penalties or two cheap penalties, but 
Real Madrid's a different animal. They're not going to play the same way. They're not going to make the same errors. They're not going to switch off for 20 minutes and think, well, we're okay. I know that it definitely depends on who you play, but there are sort of a few glaring things. And you could even argue as well, and not taking anything away from uh, Liverpool's um, record in the Champions League, which is fantastic, but the only real big team that played was was Man City. And that that's not, again, not criticism. Because anyone who's in the Champions League is, is a good team. None of them are, are terrible as much as maybe we don't know them as well. They're playing a lesser league. But I think it, it, it's one of those ones where form doesn't really matter. It's Everything goes out the window for the final. And it's of who holds their nerve the, the best, both in defence and in attack. And probably more in defence than attack, shall we say. Because both defences, as we've mentioned, are quite susceptible to errors. They can be overwhelmed at times. But we both know that they've got two two sets of attackers that can, can punish anyone if they make the slightest error. So, yeah, I understand it. It depends on who you're playing and depends on the occasion. And I wouldn't expect a similar performance against Real Madrid than we saw against Roma. I'd take, mm. the, I'd take the conceded goals if we're five five goals up, though. That's when, that's when they're happening. That's when they're happening, though, Andy. That this is this is the point. In it's not a league game, right? So goal difference absolutely goes out the window. Who gives a shit about it? It's it's the Champions League. You got to win on on uh, over aggregate scores in the, in the two ties, and then in this one, it's one game, ninety minutes. So when we're conceding goals, is when we're like four or five goals up. That's the problem. We maybe do have that switch off. So, but the stats show that if it's one, two, three goals up we're focused and we remain on it. So as long as it happens at that point, I've got no problem with it. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, that's the, that's the other side of it. That's the other side of it. When we've drilled down into it, it's when we're really, really far and away that the stupidity stuff happens. So if we're five up, nah, I don't mind. Five, four, you know, at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> sure, us, it. oh. <laughs> it's, it's the oh. two nil up and the three nil up where severe, you know, stuff like that, that worries. So, uh, that's You're gone. open for a one nil victory. That's it. Just keep it one nil. Keep it tight all through the game. You know what? That, that, I'll take anything. I'll take twenty eight, yeah. twenty seven if I have oh, to. And, I'm not oh. sure. My, I'm not sure I'll quite make it through to the end. Oh. But I'll take it. Andrew, yeah. Any um, win, any win will do. Sorry, I was just making a point in terms of the that Roma game. It was. Uh, it's one of those uh, one offs. That's fair enough. Know. That's fair enough. But what do you think then, guys? I mean. Andrew's mentioned there, you know, the the whole the occasion holding your nerve. I mean, what what kind of effect do you think it'll it'll have then? The fact that it's, you know, that this isn't at the Bernabeu, this isn't at Anfield, this is a neutral venue, yeah. And and how it's going to line up, and we know from from years gone by, Reds fans, regardless of allocation, They're you mental. know, Liverpool fans will find their way to the final. There will be lots of red once they come. Well, you know, once uh, we see that stadium, yeah. How do, how do you what kind of effect do you think that uh, this neutral venue and and the fact that it's a final will have upon this game itself? From what I've been told, the neutral side of things is going to be full of reds as well. So every ticket, reds are just lapping up in the in the, in the neutral stands as well. So we could we could have sixty to seventy five percent red in the stadium, just like Istanbul again. Um, from my point of view, though, if uh, Liverpool have gone to some big stadiums they've gone to, you know, they've gone and performed at hostile places. The, the Porto Stadium, people were saying to us that they were undefeated there for a year and, uh, and they're, they're so hostile. Their dressing rooms have like pictures of, of, of scared fans in the dressing rooms to really mess with uh, the, the opposition players' mindsets. Liverpool went there and blasted them 5-0. 
Like, no, no English team had ever done anything like that. You know, uh, Man City, uh, they hadn't been beaten at home. I don't think in the season so far. We went there and we did that. And then no one had scored at Roma and, and effectively end the tie at 2-1. Nobody had done that. So when the pressure's on, I don't think there's anybody like Jurgen Klopp to, to motivate, to sort their heads out, to focus them. Um, you know, that, that is huge, huge. And a lot of people are, are, are taking the Ramadan factor as a, as a bad factor in terms of fasting and all this. But let me tell you that those boys take that really seriously and it will focus them even more. And if they're not fasting, which they might be exempt from, some of them might be. I'm not sure about that. I think Egypt players have been for World Cup at least. Uh, there's been a fatwa and stuff like that. There's been articles that we've been sharing around, but I'm not sure. But I do actually think that they'll be really, really focused and that belief and that, you know, all that stuff, because they're so religious, might just drive them even more. So all those negative things, I think that people have been saying, I think actually Liverpool have a lot of positives, a lot of focus and... um Every time that they've been asked to stand up this season in terms of a backs against the wall thing or even just go and perform, they've done it. They've done it. They've proven us, you know, that they've proven to us that they've got here, that they're, they're big game players. I don't think they will. I think if they, if anything goes wrong in this game, it'll just be that the better team won. Like if Real Madrid deserved that, if, if Real Madrid win, they would have deserved to win, you know, that it'll be a better team that, that faces us and beats us. But apart from that, I don't think it would be anything like they, they, they froze. I think they've proven to me at least, uh, that they're, they're not bottlers anymore. They're, they they'll go and perform on that night. So, uh, and I think having that many people in the stadium as well, singing that amazing song, LA, 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 you know that the fans will get behind the players. You know that the players love it as well. At the end of the Roma game, you saw them singing along with it and clapping along with it. They're, it's driving them too. It's those special, it feels like 05. It really feels like 05 to me. Like we had Ring of Fire back then and the players were loving it. And there was that that was new. That was something we were doing that season. And this is something new, something we did. It just feels right. It just feels true. You know, it just, I don't know. I, I, I was desperate to go because I have a feeling we're going to win it. So yeah, I don't think, I think they'll all be fine. I think it'll be fine. If there's anything that happens in this game, it will be because the better team won in terms of Madrid with the better team. I don't think it'll be because we froze at any point. So so what about it then, Andrew? Liverpool has shown that they can rise to the occasion and deal with the pressure there. And and, and as Gags mentioned there, you know, lots of Liverpool fans will be there. You could be looking at a situation where, you know, 60 60 plus percent of the stadium is red. Um, do you do you think that can potentially have any effect on this Real Madrid team, or do you think they are so battle hardened and you know they've been there, seen it, done it that many times that it'll just have no effect on them? Um, to be honest, I don't think it'll have any effect. I think when if we were talking about a team which were a similar stature to Liverpool, and I mean not in terms of history or size, I mean just in in terms of where they are in the progression of, of the, the rebuilding that Jurgen Klopp's doing, if they came up against a size similar to that, then it would be a factor, I think, because other teams can will under the pressure or if there's a, a great atmosphere or if Liverpool start well and score and suddenly the, the stadium's roaring. For lesser teams, that, that could have an impact and they could start looking around going, what do we do, what do we do? We're losing it. Whereas Real Madrid, I think, sometimes feed off that. They feed off the fact that people discount them, even though they've got an incredible record across pretty much every competition they've ever entered, that 
everybody's desperate to write him off, even this year. I mean, people are talking about pressure and Zidane's under pressure, that they've been quite poor, but they've won more trophies than most teams already, and that's including if they don't win this Champions League. So I don't think that the the atmosphere would be a negative. I think it would be good for the, the game. I think it would be good for Liverpool. I think Liverpool maybe need it a little bit more. Again, that's not a criticism of Liverpool, but I think the 12th man is, is more of a offers more of an impact for English sides, should we say, than someone like Real Madrid, which we, anyone who's ever been to a Spanish game knows that the atmosphere is not quite the same as in England. It's a little bit choreographed, apart from one section where they're, they're a bit more extreme and that they do regularly keep up noise. So uh, an intimidating atmosphere doesn't make any difference in terms of a negative. I think it'll be a positive for the general game. Uh, and I think of any team that doesn't will in finals, it's Real Madrid. Their, their record is phenomenal just across the board. If they make a final, they tend to win it. But um, Kiev itself, uh, again, I personally don't really know much about it, but I think the the whole fiasco around the tickets and uh, the expense for common fans is, is another slap in the face to, to the ordinary punters who have travelled up and down across all of Europe to watch them get to this game and even the ones that have been fortunate enough to get a ticket, a lot of them have not been able to afford transport. There's still, you, if you look on social media on both sides, there's a, a desperation of how we're going to get there. We've got this sort of golden ticket, but you can't get to the game. And I think that that's the, the overwhelmingly disappointing thing that it's it's been ordinary fans once again are priced out. They obviously start with a very small allocation compared to the size of a stadium. And I, I do hope that one day, UEFA and FIFA as well, anybody in a sort of governing body role needs to look at the sort of facilities and make sure that if somebody gets a ticket that there's affordable travel arrangement that can be made. I mean, obviously, if you're coming from the Middle East or if you're coming from like uh, Australia or America, then then there shouldn't be anything on there. But a general rule of form of people based in in the city of where their, their team's from, if they are lucky enough to get a ticket, there should be some sort of concession to, to make it the day to remember for all sets of fans. If, if you get a ticket and then you can't go, it, it just sounds bitterly depressing. And I, I don't think anyone deserves to miss out, and especially uh, not the people who have who have already followed them around, all of Europe and every other round, to then be sort of quoted prices of two or three thousand pounds just to, to get a hotel and a flight. It's, it's just not on. And I think that's the only negative about the whole Champions League final is that it's just it's a fiasco on both sides. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. You know, the the inflate the ticket prices, the the profiteering that goes on in terms of travel and accommodation it is, it is a very very disappointing uh, aspect of these of these finals, uh, and certainly one that has hopefully can be addressed at some point in the future. Because, like you say, yeah, football should be for for you know for for everyone, not just for those who can you know, get lay their hands on these thousands it's, or it's whatever. UEFA, Andy, though? It's UEFA. Yeah, Even well, the yeah. match tickets, the, the Category 1 match ticket is £394. Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, that in itself pounds. is a disgrace. Yeah, for a match ticket, like just a Category yeah. 1. And then 280 then £150, I think, and then 61 Like, you know, you're talking the lowest category ticket, £61. That's more expensive than any ticket at Anfield, right? That's nuts. Yeah. Like, exactly. it, it, it's just... it's. And then the way they've booked out all the hotels, I mean, that was that was done prior. I was very lucky, very lucky that I booked my flight after the City home win, right? So I, I, I 
booked a flight and made sure, and there was a refund option on it. Bargy sent it to me, and we, basically we we went with it. We went with that. So I think it was a bit more expensive than it normally would be if you were going to Ukraine, but it had that refund option in that if they didn't get there, we'd we'd get most of the money back. So, but everybody else is stuck, and I really feel bad for them because lots of people have got tickets in the ballot and they they've had to give them away because yeah, they it's... just can't afford the £1,500 flights that have gone up. And then in Kiev, the the hotels, they've actually put their prices up too, to, <laughs> to, to £4,000 for two nights. Like, unbelievable, mate. It's been... I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how Liverpool are, are dealing with the, the people who have won, or sort of won tickets, like it's some sort of lottery. But on the ballot, <laughs> it was, it was really. to be awarded tickets. Because obviously it was in the news this week that Real Madrid have returned over 2,200. And the primary reason was, I can't afford to go. I've got the ticket, I can pay for the ticket, but I can't afford the travel costs. All the flights are booked up if they're not. They're, they're very far away. And then you, accommodation yeah, would be it. It's, it's just, um, I, th- I think there needs to be some sort of future planning as soon as because we, we obviously know always in advance at least one year in advance where the next final will be there should be some sort of concession made mm. for at least a, a large section of fans to not be sort of um, abused when it comes to hiking up prices knowing that there's going to be a lot more people than usual there and trying to sort of profit from them which what the I shame mean, is is people are now putting on chartered flights for about a thousand pounds and they come back the next morning so you go the Saturday morning, you spend the whole day in Kiev, and then after the final, you just go straight to the airport and you fly back in the morning. But the problem, even though with that, is it's still a thousand pound flight. You know, I know you're not paying for any accommodation or anything, but people are snapping them up instead and saying, "Well, okay, at least we get to go to the game." So, but again, those people have put their prices up. Those were around seven hundred pounds. <laughs> a bit. Uh, Thomas Cook being one of the major ones doing it. Uh, just I I saw flight prices, Andy, from Thomas Cook for. Uh, seven hundred and forty-nine, and then as soon as the ballot was out, they moved him up to nine hundred pounds. Yeah, that's yeah. Awful. It's it's school it's school holidays all over again, isn't it? I mean, that's that's tour operators, and yeah, I, hopefully UEFA will will get a hold of this at some point in the future. But I, I certainly wouldn't hold my breath. Andrew, something you mentioned actually, you know, that this pressure on on Zinedine Zidane. I mean, we, we hear about it in the UK that apparently he's under pressure because Real Madrid uh, are nowhere near the Liga title this season. And, you know, that there's rumours that he could be sacked. We hear of managers being linked with the job. I, I mean, it's almost, it's it's pretty much unthinkable to probably the vast majority of clubs that, you know, you win back-to-back Champions Leagues, that you could be under pressure and facing the sack if you don't win it for a third consecutive time. I mean, is there anything in this? Uh, I think Real Madrid, and, and it's unfair, I think, to pin it purely on Real Madrid, just because they've had, obviously, a, a lot of success under a very short period of time under Zidane. It's maybe more in the spotlight. But if you look at modern football in general, I think um, now that Wenger's left, the, the longest-serving Premier League manager is Mauricio Pochettino, which is outstanding as much as it is ridiculous because it's, it's barely been at Spurs sort of two minutes and we're talking like the longest reigning manager. It's just modern football. I think this era of, of the Wengers and the Fergusons and, and people, 
spending a, a good section of their career in one club just doesn't exist. We're almost in like the, the Guardiola Mourinho era where it's two or three years and then I'm going to go on to a new project because people either don't progress anymore or the, the, they've peaked and that, that's about as much as you're going to get out of them. For Zidane, is always going to be as close as he is to the sack as he is to getting a statue bill outside the Bernabeu. I think his record is phenomenal. It's true that the football has been largely poor. Uh, I don't think anyone could really argue with that. It's, it's not been as, as bad as some people have made out, but it's definitely nowhere near what it was last year. Um, I think he has to shoulder some of the blame because he was the one who sanctioned a lot of big player sales who were maybe squad players. You can make an argument of someone like James Rodriguez and Alvaro Morata if you're not playing them, getting 50, 60 million is good business. But if the people replacing them are not quite at the same level or they're not quite have that same experience, it plays a factor. And, and the B side, shall we say, for Real Madrid this year has been extremely disappointing. So whether there's anything in it, there's always something in it. I think Zidane knows that as well. He's obviously been there as a player, now as a, a coach. He knows that if he doesn't win the Champions League, that there's going to be questions asked. But I think it's similar to... Again, this is just my opinion. Similar to Mourinho at Manchester United, you could say there's an argument for replacing him, but then it's who do you replace him with? And if you can't replace him with somebody better or someone who's going to satisfy the fans, then you just stick with it. And Zidane gets a lucky tag, which I think is extremely unfair. I mean, and most managers in any sort of level would love to be lucky enough to, <laughs> to be winning trophies every year. But... Yeah, Real Madrid comes with an, an added expectation. It's not just winning, it's about how you win. And it, it, it's primarily down to one-up in Barcelona every year. And for the fans, if they do win the Champions League, they class it as advantage Real Madrid. If they don't, then I think they need to look at uh, up north and say, well, Barcelona had the better season. And that's when things get a little bit nasty, a little bit toxic, people demand changes. But... It's a similar situation at Real Madrid. Who do you replace Zidane with? Who do you think is guaranteed success? Or Which, again, is another failed philosophy in football that there's any guarantee of success. But who would be a big enough name to, to justify first removing Zidane? And would that said manager then want to leave whatever project he's currently working on? You look at like the Klops and Pochettinos. And they probably know, due to the current nature of football, that these big jobs are going to come around every three or four years just because they're going to sack whoever's currently in the hot seat. So there's no real rush. And I don't think, particularly for those two that we mentioned, that they're going to be jumping up and down to get that because who wants to follow Zidane? It's almost an unthinkable task. You just want somebody to come in on a temporary basis or one season, maybe flop a little bit or maybe just win the Copa del Rey or something. He gets sacked and then you come in and the expectations have been lowered. If the bar is where you need to win at least the Champions League or the Liga every year without fail, you're almost on a mission to nothing. So the pressure is definitely there, but I think the pressure is there. Even if he wins, there's still going to be questions of, oh, well, next year he needs to do better in the league and still win the Champions League. So he knows what the task is. It's just about managing those expectations. And, and the sort of shelf life of any modern manager is, is, is quite low nowadays. Mm, yeah, so that kind of pressure that he's under, he's used to dealing with that, and that's unlikely to to have any effect on him and his approach tactically or any or decision making towards this final. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I think the one thing that you have to admire about Zidane is like it's a guy that I think I mentioned it to a, a friend that is almost it can be in a burning building, fires all surrounding him, and he's the calmest guy in the world. You know, he, he doesn't panic. He's literally that sort of meme of the dog in the building with a fire. Like it's fine, it's fine. He doesn't will under any pressure. He, he just carries on if people say, oh, you're not worried about your job? No, it's just part of the, the way it is. Are you going to start bail? Oh, he's played better. I'm not sure. We'll see. He doesn't rise to the bait. He never seems to get angry. He never seems to... to... Unless you mention his sister. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's mentioned her for a while, but I think we all know why. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's somebody that, that exudes the calmness, which I think is necessary at Real Madrid. There's so many hotheads. Uh, just in the dressing room and I think that comes again with the territory of wanting to be the best at everything and winning every competition similar to what I, th- I imagine that Guardiola is going to feel at Manchester City this year obviously everything went well but if the the drop off a little bit next year in the league if they don't progress any further in the Champions League the pressure increases massively and that's not to discredit anything he's done but it's just the way football is so I think Zidane because of his experience, both as a player and, and as his limited time as a coach, he knows that sometimes it doesn't matter if you get angry or you, you plead your case. The person above you can make a decision that, that maybe you don't understand, but it could happen. So he, he just sort of plays it by ear, plays it, I wouldn't say game by game, but probably season by season. And, and he doesn't have any expectations that is guaranteed to stay in the job. And I would be surprised, even if they didn't win the Champions League, that it could be replaced. I think he deserves at least one more year. But there's definitely room to be improved in the domestic campaign. So I don't think it will affect him. I don't think it will force him to, to maybe change his tactics or play a certain player because there's pressure to. He basically plays to the beat of his own drum and, and he, he takes the, the sort of praise and the criticism that comes with that, which is, which is admirable, I think, to do that at a club as big as Real Madrid and to almost not care what other people say. And who do you think are going to be the key players for Real Madrid in this game then? I mean, because there's so many star names, it's easy to pick them out. But, you know, who who do you think really kind of holds the key for them, you know, winning or, or potentially, you know, making the mistakes to lose the game? Suppose if you were going to pick anyone, you can't not say Cristiano Ronaldo just because it's been phenomenal yet again. We started the season and people were saying this is the decline, this is the end of the sort of Cristiano versus Messi era because Messi was scoring goals for fun. Ronaldo, at least in La Liga, was was really struggling. All the goals had dried up. He was getting a lot of criticism. And now he looks arguably better than he has done in the last two or three years. I think that overhead kick uh, against Juventus was an example of how high his confidence is and how much he believes in himself. He's um, scored 17 in his last 10 league games. He's got 15 and 12 in the Champions League. He's scored in every game in the Champions League apart from the, the two semi-final matches. It's just phenomenal. And I think it's, it's maybe the, the prime example of this current concept of Real Madrid that it, it's not quite its best, but it works. And I think Ronaldo is somebody that you get the ball to him often enough and he scores goals. And he's done that all throughout his career. He's adapted to be more central if you wanted to look beyond Ronaldo, because I think we all know that it's, it's the best player that they've got, you'd also look at Ramos, again, a natural winner. 
it's the heartbeat of the team. It does flow between marvelous and madness on a regular basis. It's not somebody you can guarantee is going to play well or is going to play awfully. It just depends on the day, and sometimes they're not mutually exclusive. You can have an awful moment and then a great moment. And I think the the, the game against Bayern Munich, particularly, it was like a one-man wrecking crew of just heading away. Like I don't know, it felt like thirty or forty crosses, and he was always there, first to everything. And those that experience, I think, is invaluable, especially in these moments. For all the criticism he gets, some of it justified. He is a bit of a hothead. We all know that if, you, if you're a betting man, you're definitely putting him to get booked at some point in the final. Maybe if you're feeling really lucky, sending off. But he's somebody that, that really, when he turns up, is the glue that holds that defence together. Because it is leaky. And it's partly leaky because of him. But when he's at his best, I think... Um, Real Madrid are quite a tough side to break down. Even some of the the best attacking teams find it difficult to get to get past them. So I would say, apart from the obvious of Ronaldo, we all know is incredible. Ramos also in defence is is so important. And, and if he if he starts, which we all expect he would, you know, last minute injuries aside, is a key addition there, and where it will be won or lost. So Gags, you've heard a lot there about Real Madrid, and obviously. Zidane dealing with the pressure, uh, cool heads, uh, won't change his approach to the game. And, and some of the players there at Real Madrid, obviously the front and back, you know, so many superstar names. Uh, Ramos, uh, I think um, potentially an important one there for Liverpool. Then it's, it's Who do you feel is going to be key for Liverpool if, if they're going to overcome this giant, you know, this the, the two-time back-to-back, well, so the 12-time winners, the, the back-to-back winners, if they, they can overcome this team, you know, overcome the odds, who's going to be key for Liverpool to do this? I think getting the ball to the front three is going to be key. So that midfield has got to be playing. It's got to have a good day, not a bad day, you know. And we've, we're quite, oh, you know, tested in that area with with the injuries that we've picked up with Emre Jan and, and also... Um, Oxley Chamberlain and then also Lalana not playing the whole year. So we're quite stretched in there and we've got Milner, hopefully he's fit and Henderson and Ginny who have done well, done okay. Um, with City, they needed Ox in there. So it depends on whether they can, they can perform and make sure they get enough of the ball. Um, and maybe make sure that they press as well as well. Um, on, uh, on Madrid's. Pretty much press resistant. Two of them, you know, <laughs> midfield, you know, uh, Cruz and and um, Modric. They they can run rings around you, so you they've got to be really be, they've got to be really careful. So that's I think going to be the key battle. But if the front three press themselves and and obviously make their own chances and stuff, which they they very capable of doing. Mane's been dropping in. Um, Firmino's been dropping in if they if they if they need to. Um, obviously. Scoring those goals is is the biggest key. I think there's, I think there's matchups all around the pitch. I think every player is going to have to play at their best. You know, is going to have to give eight nines out of tens all the way around the team to beat Madrid on the day. Like um, Andrew's saying, you know, that this is the back to back winners. This is no, uh, this is no joke. This is the real deal. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> they are the real deal. So. I mean, you look at the fullbacks, they've got to have great games, Trent and Robbo, and then Lovren, you know, Lovren and Van Dijk, they've been really strong in the Champions League, Lovren's got to make sure he doesn't make any mistakes. 
So the, the, every single player on that pitch is key in, in, in getting that. But obviously the front three, if you say who are the key, key men, the front three are the ones that you back everything on. You know, having, if they all have tremendous games, Liverpool will win. There is no doubt in my mind because they will, they, they all score. <laughs> they all score goals. If they've all three have had tremendous games, we would have scored multiple goals, three or four goals. And I think that would win the game for us. So yeah, they, they would be, they would be the, the main key. But like I just pointed out, there's so many important parts to this, to this tie for Liverpool that every single player needs to have an excellent game. Just one thing, if I could. We, we spoke about Zidane being under pressure if, um, obviously, Real Madrid don't win the Champions League. Do you think there's any chance that Klopp would be under a bit of pressure if he didn't win the Champions League, considering that he still made the top four? But it in, terms of his jo- of, in terms of his job? Not, not necessarily his job long-term, but pressure next year to deliver silverware. Similar to like Pochettino is at Spurs, that people go, there's progression. We can yeah. see that it's moving in the right direction. Would next year be the year where people would say, right, we have to win something? Or would you all be happy with sort of visible progression rather than necessarily a trophy? Oh, God, it's really tough, man. That's such a tough question. I mean, anyone yeah. anyone that says clop out needs to go and jump in the bin. You know, like, that would be stupid. <laughs> that would just be stupid. Because to get to the final, by the way, shows some sort of progression for a team. And I've said this on so many podcasts now that people must be getting bored of me for the team with the least experience in the chat, especially at the Premier League, five Premier League sides that went in with the least Champions League experience is in the final and will walk away this season as the most experienced team in the Premier League, in the Champions League. Um, I think people will fear us in the Champions League next year. I think we'll have another run at it. So I, I think what he needs to do is progress in the league as well as having a good run in the Champions League. That's progression for me. You know, like 80, 80 points or more and then get to semis and finals and maybe a cup run. Winning a trophy is the, the biggest bonus. Absolutely would be brilliant. It's vital for him. He needs to get rid of his hoodoo in losing in finals, which he's got at the moment. So I, I think that's one thing he wants to get off his, you know, his own back. I, I personally, you know, I think he does. But I think next year, if as long as there's progression in the league and we have another good run, you know, in the Champions League, I think people will accept it as, as progression. But like you said, you've got to win things and those things will catch up with you. But look at what he's done from where we were with Rodgers and how we were playing football when we lost to Stoke 6-1. Look at the football we're playing now. Yeah, if we had a bigger squad, I have no doubt we would have been better in the league. Absolutely no doubt. It's because we're so tight, you know, and, and we we couldn't afford it with the money coming in this season from the Coutinho sale, from the Champions League, from the Premier League. I have no doubt we will invest in the squad, and that for me brings a lot of confidence next season that we will be able to go. You know, we'll do really well on all fronts, and as long as a lot of those players get pre seasons under their belts with Klopp. They will start, you know, on fire, and uh, it, they'll be all ready and and mingled into how they need, he needs them to play. That's what he says. I need a player to have a preseason. That's why Oxley Chamberlain wasn't playing regularly until October, November, because he had no preseason with us, and he needed to do that in training to get there. So as long as um, Klopp does that, I think Klopp has a timeline. I think he's at, he's signed on for six, seven years. I don't believe there's. 
I don't believe he'll feel pressure himself at all. He knows if he wins this, he's ahead of his timeline for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fair question, though, isn't it? You know, by the end of the next season, there's still no silverware. Perhaps questions will be start to ask, probably externally, not internally. But you mentioned it there, Gags. Jurgen Klopp's cup final record. Uh, so far as a manager, he's played six. He won one, his first one. He's lost the last five. Uh, and in European finals, lost them both. That's the Europa League with Liverpool and, of course, the Champions League final with Dortmund. But uh, here's another one for you, though. Jurgen Klopp's record against Real Madrid is played six, won three, drawn one, and lost just the two. So, you know, it's he's got a good record against Real Madrid. Do you, do you think perhaps, just perhaps, he maybe has his number? Because, you know, when he overcame Real Madrid in the, uh, in the knockout stages on Dortmund's route to the final, you know, nobody expected that Dortmund team to, to beat... Um, Real Madrid then you know they were massive underdogs so do you think this maybe this just suits Klopp I have no idea Andy this is a tough one I I just think it's it's Klopp's third European final third time lucky hopefully we'll go with that but uh, uh, with Real Madrid you just you just don't know you just don't know what will happen Um, it's not the same teams as when he beat them it's not the same team as when he lost to them so um, I, I it's tough to start to compare all those results with this team. And and he wasn't with Liverpool in any of them. So this is a brand new slate. Start from scratch. Let's say he's 1-0. He's lost the, he's lost the only final. He's, uh, sorry, he's lost two finals with Liverpool. Um, and third time lucky. And if you go by his career, he's lost two European finals. And this is the third. It's third time lucky. Let's go with the positive. Um, he's he's going to do it this time. <laughs> I, I, I just think, you know, I don't think you can go look back and and have much of a, an effect on a record, you know, uh, over time when when so many things have changed and it's a different team. So yeah, I think let's just go with his 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 look has got to change. It's got to. You can't go to that many finals and lose on the trot. You just can't. And he's done it, and he's got to be one of the most unluckiest. Something's got to change. I've just got a big feeling it's this one. Well, we've co- we've covered an, an awful lot in this podcast, so um, it's about time for us to wrap up. But before we go, I've got to uh, put you both um, in the firing line. You, you've got to you've got to give me an answer here. Match predictions, uh, Andrew. I'll come to you first. What's what's your prediction? So that so you can end on a positive with gags, which way I think we all know which way he's going to go when he's predicted. <laughs> I think it's, it's so hard to bet against Real Madrid in the European final. I know, I don't think Liverpool are by all means like sort of rank outsider. I think it's going to be a game that's going to be very tight. I know maybe on the outside because of the goals scored, especially by, by Liverpool in this season's Champions League, people are expecting a goal fest. I don't think it will play out that way. I think it's going to be tight. There's going to be nerves. I think that's understandable. And I think it's it's probably going to come down to more defences than it is attacks. And it's it's which defence makes the least sort of, shall we say, grave errors. So for that reason, I, I just think due to the, the lethal nature of uh, primarily Cristiano Ronaldo, I think Real Madrid will probably just edge it. But I'm hoping it'll at least be a good game. And, and I don't think win, lose or draw, Liverpool fans should 
see the. It, I know it's difficult in, in the immediate aftermath to sort of rationally think about it, but to get to a Champions League final, as, as Gag said, is is probably way ahead of schedule. As much as once you get to the final, you do want to win it. I don't think that it should be seen as a sort of a failure or a reason to, to question where this squad is going to get to a final. To lose it is no, there's no shame, and I think I say on the day it could be Liverpool's. But if I had to sort of bet on anyone, I'd probably just edge it to Real Madrid. Okay, some gags. I've got to put you on the spot now. Match prediction. We're winning it. There's there's no way I'm going to say anything else. There's no way. I've just got a feeling. I've got this big feeling. I've got a lump in my throat while I say it as well. It's it just everything feels right. And if it goes against, then fucking hell, it goes against. But my gut feeling is this is our year. We're going to win it for the sixth time. So, yeah. I w- I've been saying from from ages that we've smashed every team, right? You know, that we've played. We've had a period where we've smashed them, absolutely played them off the park. And there will be a time in this final where we do that, I hope. So I have belief in them. I think uh, I was worried when the, the, some of the results were going against us in the league, but I understand that they were, they, we had to rotate. Some of them were tired, but that weak rest, that, that performance against Brighton, um, it's only Brighton. No big deal. No big team on the beach, but the, the press, the way they were playing, the way the confidence was all back. All that tiredness that looked like there was there, the lethargic, you know, everything, lethargy, everything just felt like it was gone. And um, so with a couple of weeks and looking at them and watching them and how relaxed they are, Jan Moby's spent some time with them, how he said how relaxed they look, they look like they're ready. So um, I don't think they'll have any of that fatigue, hopefully, playing any part. So for me, Liverpool win. Number six, baby. (laughs) So there you have it. Another potentially. What history. about you? Oh, you can't get away with that. No way. <laughs> well, the the superstitious side of me says uh, Real Madrid to win mm-hmm. uh, because every time I I say that Liverpool come out on top. So, so do the that then. That's fine. Stay there. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Superstition is that. big. <laughs> yeah. My my heart. My heart. Is we know where we know it. Where gags. My we heart know. is beating with you. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. And um, but there you have it. Anyway, look, another potentially history-defining game for Liverpool is fast approaching. Um, be sure to stay tuned to Anfield Index for plenty of other content leading up to the final in Kiev, and of course, all the reaction afterwards, regardless of the outcome. Uh, wherever you are watching the game, please be safe, and I hope by the end of it, we'll all be elated. My thanks to Andrew Gaffney and to Gags Tandon and a huge thank you to each and every one of you for downloading and listening to this podcast throughout this incredible European journey for the Reds. Here's to another memorable night. And from me, Andy Wales, it's Ale Ale Ale.
Sports Social Podcast Network.